Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Everybody, welcome back to the Real Food Real Conversations podcast with me, Sophia DeSantis, and this is episode 83. And I am so excited to have you guys here and introduce my guest today, Diana. And we are going to be talking about how to throw a vegan dinner party. And this can be um, something that you can use for holidays, a casual dinner party, just give you some tips and tricks so that you can do this in a way that doesn't cause lots of stress. Because we all know every time we try and plan something, all of a sudden, you know, the stress things are firing everywhere. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? So hopefully today we'll give you a little bit of clarity. Um, welcome, Diana. Introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Thanks so much, Sophia. I'm really, really excited to be here with you today talking about one of my very favorite topics, which is vegan entertaining. So I am a vegan caterer. I'm a vegan coach. And I have done some research about transitioning to and sustaining a vegan diet. And I was able to uncover the five factors that are most associated with successfully transitioning and sustaining the diet. And everything around socializing is the area that does, as you mentioned, cause us the most stress. So I love to help people along in this area because in the end, we're social beings. We want to enjoy being together and we shouldn't let the fact that we want to eat a vegan diet sort of derail us or keep us from um, enjoying the relationships with our friends and our family. So I've got all sorts of ideas on this topic and um, can't wait to talk to you about them. Totally. Um, it's so true. You know, food for centuries has brought people together. And that is kind of um, a big deal because food is more, it, while it's important to think about what you're putting into your body, you know, for your health and wellness, it's also a mental health thing where when we enjoy a meal with somebody where, you know, you're working on your mental health and that connection. And that's so important when it comes to overall health and wellness. So it's great that we're going to have some ideas on if you're choosing to throw a vegan only dinner party, as far as food goes, um, ways to make it, you know, accommodating for everybody and, and enjoyable and delicious and all the things. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Delicious, accommodating for everybody. So finding dishes that are delicious for vegans, meat eaters, and everyone in between is a really big one. And um, really, most importantly, enjoying yourself as a host and providing an environment where everyone else can enjoy themselves. And certainly the fact that the food is vegan should not get in the way. Absolutely. And um, enjoying is that number one thing, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so when we talk about hosting a dinner party in general, what are some things that you have to think about, you know, first steps, like pre dinner party, pre everything, like what are some things that you need to do to, um, I guess, organize yourself? Yeah, exactly. So obviously it starts with finding a date that works for you and getting in touch with your guests and, you know, finding a date that works with them. So finding that date. And then after that, what I like to do is just ask people whether they have any allergies or any foods they like to avoid or any foods they particularly like, and then sort of planning a menu from there. And what I might do is think, 
what's the weather going to be like? Might we be sitting outside? Might it be a buffet? Will we be sitting inside? Is it going to be a formal meal? Um, are we going to be sort of out in the yard and we just pass things around? So I just think about weather and what kind of sort of theme it's going to be. And, um, and then I go from there. Awesome. Perfect. Um, and it's kind of, it, those are our little things that you have to think about because it's true. If you're going to have a, a theme, you know, where you're, it's kind of serve yourself or, you know, sit down, that kind of makes a difference with what you make. Exactly. And <clears throat> are, do you have some children that are coming? Do you have, you know, do you, are, are you going to be sort of out in the yard and you have some activities and people come and grab food when they want to? So it really all has to do with, as I said, like the weather and what kind of theme you want and who your guests are and what type of food they like to eat. Um, awesome. So when it comes to food, like that's, let's transition to that because that's kind of a big deal when it comes to food, how, obviously if you're throwing a vegan dinner party, you want um, your food to be plant-based vegan, whatever. Um, but what about other dietary needs? Like what if somebody is nut-free or gluten-free? Like how do you accommodate, what do you, what are thing, things you want to think about to accommodate all these dietary needs? Totally. I mean, first of all, there are so many recipes available to us in places like your amazing, um, your amazing blog and all of the sort of eBooks that you have and stuff. Um, looking um, in Pinterest and, and looking online and cookbooks, etc. So we there's so many options when it comes to recipes. So that shouldn't stop us. And certainly we can search recipes, vegan, nut free, vegan, gluten free, and there's a whole host of things. So as I mentioned, I like to ask my guests ahead of time if they have any allergies, foods they like to avoid, and then I will go from there. So for instance, one of um, my closest friends who happens to be vegan, he and his wife come over quite a bit to eat. He's nut free. So absolutely no problem when it comes to nut free. Oftentimes people are nut free, have no trouble with coconut, for instance. So I might make like an Indian or a Thai based meal with coconut cream because we think about um, in vegan cuisine, we think about the nuts sometimes replacing the creaminess in dishes. So coconut can do a great job there. Sometimes people can be nut free, but they're okay with peanuts. You know, it depends what kind of nuts. So I might ask that question as well. Tahini um, can be fabulous for creating dressings and, and home, like creamy like dishes using um, tahini, which is made from sesame. And then I might do something like dressings made from hemp seeds, which are nice and creamy. So it's uh, easy there. And um, I, I think I noticed on your site, Sophia, that you tend to uh, gravitate towards plant-based and gluten-free. Am I right? Yes, I am. 100% gluten free as I it's kind of something I found out in the last couple of years that my body cannot digest. So everything on my site is gluten free or has a gluten free alternative. Um, and everything on my site is plant based. Okay, so I would send people to your site for sure. And um, I, I happen to um, I happen to avoid gluten for the most part. It doesn't, it doesn't make me feel great. I'm, I'm not celiac, but I, I do better without it. So I find it simple. I mean, there are so many gluten-free pastas, gluten-free breads, um, gluten-free breadcrumbs. Um, so it's really easy in that area to avoid gluten and still provide an awesome gluten-free vegan um, meal. Awesome. And that's a really good point that you said about the, the whole cuisine thing. So, you know, if you have, let's say, a nut allergy, um, 
serving food from, you know, Indian culture, Thai culture, um, you know, Asian food in general, like you can avoid some of that, um, you know, like you said, the cashews with the creaminess, they use a lot of coconut in there. So if they can have coconut, that's a great way to get some meals that might have some creaminess in it without the nuts. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes like in Italian cuisine, we might think it's a little challenging and you'd say, why would Italian cuisine be challenging for nuts? Because Italian cuisines, we think of them as being cheese-based and so many of the nuts, um, so many yes. of the plant-based cheeses are nut-based, but there's a lot of them that aren't too. So it shouldn't even stop us from making Italian cuisine. So, you know, it just takes um, knowing the products a little bit. And like I said, you can search online and it's not too difficult to find them. So, so these allergies, you know what, like when we cook plant-based as you and I do, um, we're used to making substitutions. We're used to being creative. We're used to, to thinking out of the box. So if someone comes along that has an allergy, no big deal. We can handle it. Right. Yes. Yes. I mean, for me, the one thing I do, I do think personally is challenging, um, at least to get results to where my family likes it is the nut-free thing. Cause I do use cashews because I personally think that cashews really do give you the best creaminess. And so when you're nut-free, it's a little more challenging. And, you know, whenever I have people come to my recipes, you know, my cheese sauces and stuff, you know, I say, you know, here, look at the comments. So a lot of people have some ideas for nut-free, but I just can't vouch for the results since we yeah. can have nuts and that yeah. to us is the best flavor. However, if you're used to not having nuts and you're used to plant-based food without nuts, you perhaps, you know, you'll like it with all these other substitutions. Um, yeah. Totally but it's tough. With that. Mm -hmm. And just one thing that came to mind, sometimes it's worth asking if you have a guest that says they're not free, sometimes that does not include almonds. And yes. I have found that you can make like a pretty good almond ricotta, for instance, if you were making yes, ricotta for sure, for sure. Right. Right. So, so asking the questions. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not, you know, it's not all nuts. Some people can have all nuts except cashews. Like it's so different, but um, right. yeah, I mean the, the one thing with almonds that I ricotta for sure, you can definitely do, but with sauces, it's rough because they do have like a specific flavor. If you're making like you know, a cheese sauce, I using yes. all almonds definitely kind of gives it a little bit of a different flavor. But again, like you said, people that are used to it may not, you know, have that, you know, issue with the flavor because they're used to eating, you know, one nut or another, if they can't have, you know, one of the other nuts. So um, yeah, those are all great, great ideas. Um, so once you've decided what you want to, what, what all your allergies are, your, you know, preferences, who's coming, how do you decide there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of free resources, like you said, how do you break it down and decide what it is that you're going to serve? What other things can we think about to try to like narrow that down? Oh, I love that question. Okay. So my, my meal is going to fall into one of two categories for the most part. It's either going to be like a slightly more formal sit down meal. And in that case, it's usually veering towards like the idea that we have in the standard Western diet of having like the center of the plate entree with a couple of sides. So for me, that might be like some burgers and it could be everything from like, uh, you know, a plant-based burger you make yourself, whether it's like a a beet burger or a mushroom burger or a olive lentil burger, whatever it is, to some of the store-bought burgers, which are on the market now, which people find pretty appealing. And I might serve that with like 
roasted potatoes and a buffalo Caesar salad. So something like that, or along those lines of like a sit down meal, maybe it's like a lasagna with some garlic bread and some arugula salad. Like I try, if I have non-vegan guests and I, I guess it's, it's always a whole variety of people I'm thinking in terms of foods that are kind of familiar um, or I might choose a theme as I mentioned before and make a variety of Indian dishes or a, a variety of Thai dishes you know if it's Indian I might serve it with some basmati rice and some garlic naan that's not gluten-free but you can find some gluten-free kind of Indian breads as well so the alternative to that is, and, and I haven't been doing much of that during the pandemic because we're not sort of all sitting down together. I've been doing a lot of buff, buffet style and we're just coming off the summer here in the Boston area. And I've been able to do this a lot outside. And I really love buffet style, particularly when I have a variety of eaters because it allows them to sort of pick and choose what they want and it gives them more agency. And if this style of eating is new to them, it gives them a sense of, um, I'll pick what's familiar, I'll take a, a chance here, I'll take a chance there, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it's not quite so intimidating. So if it's buffet, buffet style, I might do like um, burrito bowls. Uh, where you put all the fixings out and people can just sort of mix and match in their bowl. I might do sushi bowls where I have, you know, the nori sliced and thin and just make some sushi rice and, and have a variety of toppings. Sometimes I'll add some tempeh or some tofu that people can try. And again, things like tofu and tempeh for some people might be like, oops, no way I'm not doing it. But because it's buffet style, maybe they'll take a little bite and give it a try, or maybe they'll avoid it altogether and it's okay. Another thing that I do in the kind of the idea of the make your own, which I find that kids really, really like is to be able to get their hands on and do it themselves is make your own pizzas. And I have the fixings out. And recently I got one of those sort of like really professional pizza ovens where they pop in and each, each one's pizza comes yeah. out in minutes. Yeah. And that's super duper fun. So um, another thing, and that's like, I'll do Thai bowls with an amazing lemongrass ginger dressing and people just put what they want on. I did that recently. And it's like, the dressing is amazing. And it's just like really fun to put it together that way. So I'll go in one of those two directions. And again, like if it's sit down, that's one thing. If it's buffet style, like, don't worry about the, you know, just make sure you have a seat for everybody, but it can be super casual. And, and, um, and in the end, like it's about, everybody having fun and having a chance to socialize together. Of course, you want the food to be great, but don't worry about being a perfectionist. Don't worry about being, it being the best meal they've ever had. Don't worry about the fact that it might be not that familiar to them. They can always go and eat more when they get home if they need to, but they won't because the food will be great. But um, in the end, it's just like, as you said, it's great for our mental health just to be together because we're social beings in the end and we want to be able to socialize together. And if you're vegan and you feel principled about it and you want to feed vegan food to yourself and to other people in your home, then you should not be dissuaded from doing that at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think we all, you know, the, the, the joy about life is that we get to choose what you want to do in, in, in both directions, you know, whether you decide that you don't want to have any non-vegan food in your home, that is your home, that is your choice. Um, and if you decide that you want to include all types of food in your home, that is your home and there is your choice. So that is the beauty about life is there's no food police. There's no, there's nobody that um, can tell you what to do in your own space. So 
do yes. what feels right and do what you want. <laughs> I, I completely, totally agree to that. And it can be a journey for you. You might be in one place today and a different place in a month or absolutely ever. So when I first went vegan, it was eight years ago and it was overnight and it took me by surprise and I didn't know anything about veganism. And suddenly I was a vegan and I know that's unusual, but that was my experience. And I had always been a huge entertainer and I love, love, love cooking for people. I love having people over. Just the whole thing is super fun to me. And I was like, oh no, what do I do? And what I did in the beginning was I made vegan food. And for a while, while I didn't want to cook non-vegan food, I was going out and getting, you know, shrimp or whatever it was to supplement what I was serving. And I was doing that for a while. And that felt good for me. And I felt like for my guests, I didn't want to sort of like throw them into the vegan food when they weren't used to it. One of my friends said to me when I, like I was a year or two into it and I was bringing out food for everybody to eat. And he said, why are you serving non-vegan food? I mean, he wasn't a vegan himself. And I just sort of explained why. And he said, you know, you ought to live your principles. Um, It's fine. And that resonated with me and it gave me the confidence to take the next step, which was when I have a dinner party, I'm going to make it vegan and I'll be fun and I'll serve it proudly. So I totally agree with you. Do what feels comfortable to you and, and everybody's on their own journey. Exactly. Um, exactly. And either way, there's no right or wrong answer to that. Yeah, for sure. Right. right. So w- once you've got your menu down and all those things, um, obviously you have to you know, prep before the big day. What are some, um, uh, like, what's kind of a guide for you as far as when you prep, um, uh, you know, obviously you're not going to wake up that morning and just do everything right away because we often, you know, over don't have a lot of time to do all that all at once. What are some things people can do to prep ahead of time so that they're not super stressed? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, I would suggest like, I don't know whether it's a week before three, four days before, Uh, five days, whatever, nail down your menu, what you want to make, create a really comprehensive ingredient list, look through your pantry, look through your fridge, see what you have, see what you might need, and then create your grocery list, and then get your groceries, um, if you can, a couple days ahead, just so you have it all. So you're not sort of like shopping and cooking and everything too close to the event. It just makes it easy. If you're going to the grocery store anyway, why not be picking up the things you need for your event, your party, whatever it is. So that's one thing. And then think about what you can make ahead. Sometimes uh, desserts you can make a couple days ahead, no problem, cookies, cakes, um, sauces, oftentimes you can make ahead, do those. If you're making the lasagna, as I said, why not make ahead and reheat it or burgers? So I like to make a lot of things ahead and save things that need to be made that day on that day so that you can sort of relax on the day and, you know, whether it's cleaning your house or, you know, so you can um, be ready and, and not you don't want to be in a position if you can avoid it, that you've woken up in the morning, you've cooked all day, you've been busy all day. And by the time your guests are there, you want to go to bed because you're so tired. Absolutely. That's the, that's the whole thing is you're, you're not going to enjoy yourself that way. Right. You're not going to enjoy yourself that day. I, I do remember. It's very funny. My mom loved to entertain and she would, um, have a party and the doorbell would ring and her guests would arrive and I would have to let them in and talk to them because my mom was upstairs changing. She wasn't ready. So another thing I would say as far as prepping, planning ahead is make sure you give yourself time to get yourself ready. So you feel in the party mood by the time everyone arrives. 
Absolutely. Yes. Like I, I, there's nothing better than hosting a party and being ready with like, I like to be ready. Um, my goal is like maybe like half hour, 45 minutes ahead of time, like have everything done and uh, just sitting in and going, enjoying a glass of wine before people come over. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Enjoy the glass of wine have time to, you know, have the flowers ready. If you like to light candles, light the candles, get the music ready. So it doesn't feel like a scramble. So as much as you can do ahead, the more you're going to enjoy it. So what are some foods that you can make ahead of time? We said sauces, desserts, uh, maybe some casseroles. What else are some things that um, you find you can make ahead of time? Yeah. So, um, let's say that I am making one of the things I love to make is a spicy Asian salad, which has arugula and it has um, quinoa, a peanut sauce, uh, chopped veggies. So what I might do with that is I'm not going to create the whole salad and dress it because the arugula is going to wilt ahead of time. It's not going to be fresh. Oh, I put mandarin oranges. So ahead of time, I might peel the mandarin oranges and segment them so they're good to go. I might chop up the red pepper, cook the quinoa. Absolutely, you could cook your rice and your grains ahead of time. I'll make that peanut sauce ahead of time. So when it comes to serving, all I'm doing is sort of like putting it together and giving it a toss um, right before we're eating it. So things like that. I mean, I would say most of my dishes um, are that way. Uh, if I'm making like a creamy pasta um, and it's cashew-based or almond-based, you probably found this, uh, Sophia, that um, some of those sort of thicken and they're not as wonderful if they're um, made ahead of time, like a cashew cream sauce. So those I might um, make more on the spot, but that might not be the thing that I choose from the for the dinner party or the whatever the event is. I'm I choose things that for the most part I can make ahead, so I can be a little relaxed. Burgers absolutely make them ahead. Um, burgers are great. You can make them ahead. You can even put some in the freezer, but you know, and then just reheat them. If I make burgers, I might serve them with some roasted, um, yummy, uh, spiced up potatoes, and those. I don't make ahead because I find those are perfect straight out of the oven, but I can have them chopped ready to go and put them in and roast them and just leave them in a warm oven. And they do great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, what are some other ideas as far as like the food, other than the food, like, you know, the, the environment, you know, things like that. What are some other things that people, you know, may not think about when it comes to other than the food, when it comes to hosting a dinner party? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, flowers can be a nice touch. They're not necessary. They can be super casual. It's something you can pick from your garden. Um, thinking about the serving pieces, if you can think ahead, like, what am I going to plate things on? And how am I going to serve it? And sometimes I'll even put that out like a day or two ahead, um, just as I'm thinking about the dish, I'm going to use the serving piece, I'm going to use the serving plate. Um, it, it just because it gets me in the mindset, but also the, as I said before, the less that you can do scrambling at the very end, um, the more you're going to relax and enjoy yourself. It's not to say that if you are scrambling at the very end, you're not having a great event. It's still wonderful. And your guests are happy to help you. But I think the less you have to do, the more you're going to have fun, which is what you want to do. Um, I mentioned candles. I, I really like them. I like to light them. I think they're nice. Finding music that you like. So those are nice touches. And um, 
if you have some appetizers, if you know you've got your appetizers out before the guests arrive, I think that can be help you to relax because you know, even if you have things to do, when they arrive, they've got something to eat, they've got something to do, and then you can kind of relax and continue on to other things you might be doing to prep. And then sometimes things that I find helpful is when it comes to the drinks, to create like a drink buffet so that people can help themselves where you put out the glasses you need and the soft drinks and the wines and the beer and, and whatever, and maybe even create a coffee tea station for afterward that's all set up and ready to go. So those are some things that just, you know, I, I like the more casual, the more the guests can kind of feel at home and to grab what they want, help themselves, the more, the more fun it can be. Absolutely. Totally. That's, um, I love the idea of having like the appetizers out. So, you know, they have something to munch on while you, you know, get, you know, get the food set and ready to serve. That's a really great idea. Yeah. Um, and on that note, I'll just add one thing about appetizers that I've learned over the years, your friends and your guests will say, what can they bring? Don't have them bring appetizers. Because if the person bringing appetizers arrives half an hour late, and you were, then you won't have the appetizers to put out. So I usually always make sure I'm the one that makes the appetizer. I don't assign that role to anybody else. Very nice tip. That's a really <laughs> good tip. Um, yeah. Speaking of tips, what are some other tips? That's another one. Do you have any other great tips for people that, um, that you know, they may not think about? Yeah. So I just, you know, again, I think keep it casual. It's all about having fun. Enjoy yourself. I love that you say you get things done ahead of time and you try to give yourself time to just sit and enjoy a glass of wine before people arrive. And um, just, you know, again, in the, the mindset, you're just creating a container for people to get together and just to share fun and love with one another. So don't stress too much about the food and everything being perfect for sure. And um, don't worry, you know, if you don't have perfect seating for everybody, just grab a mishmash of chairs and um, sit on couches is totally fine. So um uh, let's see, creating the drink station, as I mentioned, is really great. And um, I think, yeah, I think those are tips that really work for me. Um, another one that I, that I now think about a ton, because I, this happened once is make sure you have enough water. available. Oh, yes, yes, that's, re that's a really, really good tip. Um, fill up water jugs is a really good idea. Yes. Just have a well, bunch around. Yes. Yes. Especially when you're serving alcohol, because, um, that is, you know, just, uh, it, one time we had a party and, you know, we got some water and we just ran out and we didn't even think about it. And I was like, Oh yeah. Always overbuy on the water. If you're buying it, if you have like a filter, great. But yeah. if you have to buy water, make sure you overbuy on the water because, it's important for people to stay hydrated, especially when um, you're serving alcohol. Yeah. And on that note, you know, it's funny what I've noticed about water. People's glasses will remain empty, but then you'll say, would you like some water? They always take it. So they don't necessarily yes. think to fill their water glass themselves, but when it's offered, they want it. Yes. yes really totally. great on the water. Yep. Yeah. Is there anything else you can think of? This has been so comprehensive and lots of great tips and ideas for people here. Um, I think that, you know, anybody listening to this, you're ready to do your own dinner party. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I just, just the last thing I would say is confidence comes with time. Nobody's perfect out of the gate. Just do it and do it and do it and have fun and enjoy yourself. And um, Sophia, I love talking to you about this subject. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. I so appreciate you taking the time to come and share your, um, share your expertise with us. And all of you guys listening, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Um, this is here because of you. And I bring my guests on here to get information to you. So if you love my podcast, please make sure to leave it a rate and review on the Purple Podcast app. It really helps me so much. The more rates and reviews I have, the more people come to my podcast and ask to be on it. And the more information I can get out into the world to help all of you guys. And you're kind of what it's all about. Don't do this for myself. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you again. Thank you so much for being here and um, sharing everything with everybody, Diana. It's totally my pleasure. Thank you for everything you do. Absolutely. Um, We'll talk soon, everybody.